I too would like to welcome all of you here this morning. It's so great to see some uh, new faces, some familiar faces, and to realize that as we come together in worshiping God, we are all his children. He loves us all equally, and that he is here to meet with each one of us and to once again remind us just how deep his love is for us. And the Bible really is a collection of stories that all point to that central truth, that God is a father who loves his children so much that he would move heaven and earth in order to rescue us so that we could be with him, that we could be around his table in his house and one of his children. That is what the Bible is really all about. And so we want to be reminded of that very simple yet profound truth this morning as we look at one of the most famous of all of Jesus' parables, that of the prodigal son, this morning. So would you bow with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is indeed a privilege to be able to call you that, to be able to call you our Father and we your children. We thank you, God, that you have chosen that to be how you have revealed yourself to us. And we thank you, Lord, for your great love for us, which you didn't just say and then remain at a distance, but instead you said it and then you demonstrated it through your tangible action of reaching into this world to us, broken people, people who are marred in so many different ways, marred by sin and all of its effects, that we are broken not only in our, our society around us, Lord, we see the, the marks of evil and sin in the world around us. We have but to watch the news and we see how far-reaching and rampant the effects of this are in the world. But Lord, we also recognize that there's a brokenness within each one of us. There's a side of us that is self-destructive, a side of us that, that wants to do what's wrong. And that even when we don't want to do what's wrong, we do it anyways. And we recognize, Lord, that that is the brokenness of sin on each one of us and within us. And that, Lord, try as we might, we can't, we can't come out from under its effects. We can't work our way out from under it. We can't try hard enough. We can't forgive ourselves, and we can't earn your forgiveness. The only way that it can be defeated in our lives and its power is by what you have done, by breaking its power, by sending your Son into this world to give your life as a perfect sacrifice so that our sins could be paid for, the full debt of it erased, and that we could be right with you. And so for this amazing plan, God, we give you praise this morning. And we thank you, God, that you came and showed us through your Son what your heart looks like for us. And so I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts this morning to your truth by your Holy Spirit. Take away the blinders, Lord, so that we can see, so that we can hear. And I pray, Lord, that we would receive what you have for us. By your Holy Spirit, I pray this, Lord. Anoint these words. May they be yours, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Kevin and Darcy were two brothers. Two brothers who grew up together on their father's large family farm. Kevin was the older brother the hard-working and responsible one. While Darcy, the baby of the family, he was the reckless and demanding one, always looking for an easy way out. Kevin was always saddled with the responsibility of looking out for Darcy. And as the years went by, his resentment grew. Whenever they were given a chore to do, like shoveling manure out of the horse barn, of course, it would be Kevin who would end up doing the majority of the work, while Darcy would be 
up above climbing in the rafters or sneaking away to take a nap in the hay. Then there was that time that Darcy had taken Dad's brand new pickup truck for a joyride, of course without permission, and he'd ended up flipping it into a drainage ditch. The crazy thing was, he barely even got into trouble. All Dad had seemed concerned about at the time was that Darcy was okay. But what irritated Kevin the most was when he would try to tell Dad just how Darcy had actually been goofing off instead of working. And whenever he did this, Darcy always had some clever way of talking his way out of it. And even when Dad would discipline him, Darcy would always put on this big show of being so sorry and apologizing. And then Dad would just forgive him. He'd forgive him and then carry on as though it had never happened. As they grew older, things only continued to get worse. Darcy became increasingly disobedient, defiant, and finally outright rebellious, refusing to lift so much as a finger to help in the farm operation. Now one day, as Kevin was coming in from a long day during the harvest season, he met Darcy just as he was on his way out, heading for a party in town. This sudden anger boiled up inside of Kevin, and he stepped right into his brother's path. Standing there, toe to toe, they couldn't have looked more different. Kevin, dirty coveralls, grain dust in his hair, dirt under his fingernails, a hard-working man. And there was Darcy, designer jeans and shirt, styling gel in his spiked and frosted hair. Kevin's words came out like a growl. You're throwing your life away. Darcy stopped, looked back at Kevin, the defiance flashing in his eyes as he replied, you keep slaving away for the old man and we'll see who's throwing their life away. You can die on this farm for all I care, but I'm not going to spend another second here longer than I have to. For perhaps the first time in Darcy's life, he made good on his promise. The day of his graduation, he went to their dad and demanded that he be given the entire portion of the farm estate that was willed to him. The entire thing. Kevin just couldn't believe the audacity of Darcy's demands. Why not just tell Dad that you wished he was dead already? There was no way that Dad was going to give in to this demand. Not this time. This time, he was going to set Darcy straight once and for all. But to Kevin's absolute and utter astonishment... Dad not only didn't set Darcy straight, but he agreed to it. Darcy came in and said, I want it all. I want my full inheritance. Dad just looked at him and said, okay, son, we'll get that done. And you know what? He did. The very next day, Dad calls up the lawyer, the banker, and the accountant. He starts drawing up the paperwork. And within a couple of weeks, Dad called him into his office. The papers were signed. The deal was done. Everything on the family estate was divided between Kevin and Darcy. Kevin in assets and Darcy's in cold, hard cash. Staring down at the figure, Darcy counted the zeros one more time just to make sure that he hadn't misunderstood the number he was being given. It was more money than even Darcy's greedy heart had imagined. He was rich. He was set for life. Darcy's mind 
began to run wild at the possibilities of what he could do with all of this money. Now, I just have one last thing to say. Darcy was brought back to the moment by his dad's voice. Kevin and Darcy, their dad spoke slowly and deliberately, his voice trembling slightly as he looked at each one of them in turn. Kevin and Darcy, I want you to know You are my boys. And whether you stay on this farm or whether you leave, you will always be my boys. And nothing will ever change that. No matter where you go or what you do, you can always come home. I love you. Now go with my blessing. The very next day, Darcy was gone. He didn't say who he was with or where he was going. He was just gone with no way of reaching him. He had made sure of that. He canceled his cell phone, changed his email, and even deleted his social media connections. As far as possible destinations, he had a passport and enough money to take him anywhere in the world that he wanted to go. The world was now his playground, and he was going to live it up. He decided that, for starters, putting an ocean between himself and home was a good way to start, so he punched a plane ticket for Europe. He began traveling from one city to the next, London, Paris, Venice. He soon found himself reveling in the nightlife of Amsterdam. He started meeting exciting people, doing exciting things, and having more adventures than he had ever dreamed possible. Life outside of his family farm was so much better than he had even imagined. No more of his father's rules. No more of Kevin's constant criticism and disapproval. He was free. Free to do whatever he pleased and the means to achieve it. He was living it up. The life of a VIP. And he did it all. He did it all and he did it in excess. Gambling, drinking, drugs, women, sex, and the freedom to do whatever he wanted to. It was everything he had imagined for and more. And there he was, living the good life, living it in a way of a rock star, and he felt like it. That is, everything went great until the money ran out, and it eventually did. He didn't realize how much his friends were drawing off of him, how much money here and money there was adding up, until one day he went to pay a bill. Insufficient funds. There must have been some sort of mistake, but it was no mistake. The money was gone. He had blown it all. And very soon, trouble came along with it. What do you mean you don't have the money? Darcy's head was pounding. Do you know what happens to people who can't pay? Those words were repeating themselves over and over, his, over and over in his head, pounding away like a sledgehammer. He tried to reply. He tried to get the words out. Just give me a little more time. I'll, I'll come up with the money. But the words just wouldn't come out. Finally, his eyes fluttered open and he came to. Where was he? These bright white lights were assaulting his eyes, momentarily blinding him. You're lucky to be alive. Darcy squinted in the direction of the voice and he painfully turned his head to see who was speaking. The doctor continued. The beating you took, combined with the amount of drugs in your system, would have killed most people. I guess someone's looking out for you. Now, is there anyone you want us to call, kid? Someone who can take you home? Darcy stared blankly ahead. There was no one left. 
He had burned every bridge and every friend was long gone. He had no one to call and no home to go back to. For the first time in his life, Darcy was alone. He's never coming back, Dad. At that terse statement, the screen door banged shut behind Kevin as he joined his father on the porch. There he sat, exactly as he did every single morning. Cup of coffee in his hand, watching down the lane. He looked up at Kevin and then back down the lane. His reply was slow and deliberate. You don't know that, son. Yes, yes I do, came Kevin's bitter reply. It's been four years and not one word, not one. He's not coming back and I for one am glad. All he's ever done is take advantage of you and very nearly destroyed this farm in the process. Haven't you noticed how much better things have been running since he's been gone? I hope he's dead. And we'd all be better off for it. The sudden outburst of anger surprised even Kevin. He turned abruptly to leave, knowing what this would do to his father. He paused in the doorway and he heard his father's pained voice. You don't mean that, Kevin. Some way, somehow, Darcy will find his way home to us. The words hung in the air as Kevin walked out. The reality was he had meant every last word of what he'd said. He never wanted to see Darcy again. At that very moment, Darcy was on his hands and knees, scrubbing the floor in a homeless shelter. He had been given the option of staying on as a permanent resident in this shelter if he was willing to earn his keep by taking on a janitorial role. And so there he was, on his hands and knees, cleaning up someone else's vomit. How had his life come to this? Just a few months ago, he had been living it up, the life of a rock star. Everyone in the nightlife knew who he was, and here he was. No one would have recognized him. As he was cleaning up this vomit, he suddenly caught a stench of the, of the smell coming up in his nostrils, and he gagged. Standing up, he steadied himself on the bathroom sink, and he caught a glimpse of himself in the bathroom mirror. He couldn't believe what he saw. His face was drawn and pale, still carrying the noticeable scars from the beating he had taken, his eyes swollen and bloodshot. And even though he was cold and shivering, he was sweating profusely. And there, looking at his pitiful reflection in the mirror, something just snapped inside of Darcy. What am I doing here? What, what, what have I done? What has my life come to? I've thrown everything away, my life. What do I have to show for it? What would Kevin say if he could see me now? Yeah, what would Kevin say? I know what Kevin would say. Serves you right. Didn't I warn you? You got exactly what you deserve. That's what Kevin would say, all right. But what would Dad think? What would Dad do? And suddenly... Hot, bitter tears began welling up in Darcy's eyes. What would Dad say if he could see me now, his little boy, cleaning up vomit 
in a homeless shelter and a resident himself. As the tears and the realization flooded him like a wave, something just overcame him and he slumped down against the door and slid down to the floor. Hugging his knees to himself, he began to weep and sob like a little lost boy that he was. Dad could never forgive me. Not for this. This time I've gone too far. I've done too much. There's no way back home. And as he said the words, a wave of loneliness swept over him unlike anything he had ever experienced before. He'd burned every bridge and all of his party friends were long gone. But then again, what did he have to lose? There was nothing left. If he went back home and threw himself on his dad's mercy, there was maybe the slightest chance that dad might let him stay on as a hired hand. And with that, he made up his mind. Somehow, some way, he was going home. The morning mist was just lifting from the road as the first rays of the sun cut through. The now aged father had just finished his cup of coffee when he heard the truck door slam and the sound of the motor and the crunch of the gravel as it pulled away. Peering out the window, he saw that there was someone standing way out at the end of the lane. Not moving, just standing there. Shoulders slouched and head down. The father looked intently, trying to see who it was. Something about that figure, the silhouette, the way he stood, was familiar. But who was it? The figure slowly started shuffling down the lane, like a dog with his tail between his legs. And suddenly, he knew exactly who it was. If he had seen that guilty shuffle once, he had seen it a thousand times. It was Darcy. He was home. And a thrill shot through his body. And moving with a sudden speed and agility that he hadn't possessed in years, he raced out the porch and down the lane. Darcy had slammed the truck door, and as it had pulled away, it momentarily enveloped him in a cloud of dust. And as he stood there, a sudden wave of fear and shame just washed over him, threatening to cause him to turn around and run. Doubts began racing through his mind. Could his dad forgive him? Would his dad even want to see him? Would he just kick him off the yard, disown him? And he once again began rehearsing in his mind what he was going to say. I'm so sorry, Dad. I blew it. I don't deserve anything from you. I don't, I don't deserve to be your son. And with these words cycling in his mind, he slowly began shuffling forward, still deep in thought. But then he heard someone call his name. Darcy! And looking up from the ground, there was his dad, running towards him, running faster than he had ever seen his dad run before in his life. His dad was moving with a purpose and a speed he had never experienced before, and there they met, colliding in the middle of the lane. His father running, the son shuffling, head down, not sure what to expect. And as they met in the middle of that lane, the breathless father just wrapped his strong arms around his son in a bear hug that said more than words. Darcy was stunned. He just stood there in his father's embrace, not knowing what to say, not knowing what to feel. He tried to begin his rehearsed speech. I'm so sorry, Dad. I I blew it. 
but his father wouldn't hear of it. With just tears of joy streaming down his face, he just said, My son, my boy, Darcy, I knew you would find your way home again. I never stopped believing that you would find your way home to us. And here you are. Welcome home, son. Welcome home. But dad, dad, I I blew it. I don't deserve anything from you. I don't deserve to be your son. His father held him at an arm's length. Don't you remember? Don't you remember what I told you? No matter where you go, no matter what you do, you can always come home. Darcy, you're my boy. I love you. And nothing will ever change that. So not another word from you. Not another word. My son is home. And tonight we are going to party. We are going to celebrate. We're going to throw a neighborhood block party. The likes of which they have never seen before. Because this my son who is lost is found. And we are going to celebrate. So not another word. And off they went. When Kevin came home from the field, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. The yard was packed with vehicles. Neighbors, friends, relatives, they were everywhere. They were parked up the lane and down the road. He couldn't believe how many people were swarming the yard. He grabbed someone walking past. What is going on? And he heard the news. He's alive and he's here. After all these years, not one phone call, not one message, how did Darcy have the nerve to come home? And why was Dad throwing him a welcome home party? The yard had never looked like this before. There had never been so many people there. This massive tent had been set up. He didn't even know where it had come from. A live band was playing. People were eating from this massive buffet table. They were dancing and laughing. And Kevin just stood there, seething. He couldn't believe what he was seeing and hearing. He refused to go in. Fixed to the spot, his rage overcame him, and he couldn't move. His father heard he had returned home from the field and came looking for him. And there came his dad, face beaming. Smile just lit up his face. He was moving like he was ten years younger, and he looked it too. There you are, Kevin, my boy. Have you heard the news? Your brother is back. Darcy is home. And Kevin's reply was abrupt as it was low. I have no brother. You don't mean that, son. Yes, I do, Dad. Yes, I do. And now Kevin was shouting, and he gave full vent to his rage. All these years, I have been slaving away for you on this farm. And what thanks do I get? I was the one who kept this farm from tanking when Darcy nearly destroyed it with his stunt. I was the one who had to see you day in, day out, watching down that lane, waiting for your precious Darcy to come home. But while Darcy was out there wasting his life and this farm's money on drugs and prostitutes and who knows what else, I was the one who took care of you. I was the son you could be proud of. But did I get the party? No. Darcy gets the party. 
And as abruptly as the tirade had begun, it was over, just like that. A long moment of silence ensued before his father finally replied. His voice was low, but steady. Kevin, you are my son, and I love you. I love you not because of what you've done, not because of how well you've run this farm, but because you're my boy, and nothing can ever change that. This farm operation, it doesn't really matter, son. I would give this entire farm away in a heartbeat if it meant that my boys would be safe. Besides, don't you know, it's all yours anyways. Everything that I have here belongs to you. And so tonight, son, let's celebrate. We thought your brother was dead, but now he's alive again, and he's home safe and sound. Isn't that something worth celebrating? Please, son, come in and greet your brother. Let's be a family again. Let's celebrate. Today, my friends, I want to tell you that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God loves you. There is nowhere that you could have strayed as far away as you could have possibly run from him that his love cannot reach to, that his love cannot bring you home again. Do you believe that? Because this story demonstrates to us the heart of the Father, a heart who loves unconditionally, who loves all of his children equally, and simply desires that they would be home in his embrace. Because you see, no matter how far you've gone from God, he has never stopped watching and waiting for your return. Because you see, the fact is, he's already forgiven you. That's the wonderful thing. He's already forgiven you. He's forgiven you because the penalty of your sin has already been paid in full. Do you believe that? All sins have already been forgiven because Jesus, his son, the rescuer, was sent into this world to pay the price for all sin for all time, once and for all, when he died on the cross. When his blood was shed on that cross, it covered all sin. It's all been forgiven. And now all we have to do is go home. All we have to go home, all we have to do is go home and receive what the Father has already done. Because it's already finished. It's already done. Jesus has paid the price for your sin, your debt, in its entirety. And you can go home and receive your Father's embrace. And you see, there is also nothing that you can do to earn it. If, like Kevin, you believe that your good behavior is what made you earn or somehow deserve God's love and grace, you're wrong. Even if you have gone to church every single Sunday your entire life, that would still not be good enough. Do you believe that? You could do all of the religious outward acts as, as good as anyone, and it would still not be good enough. Even if you helped as many orphans as Mother Teresa, and you won a Nobel Peace Prize, that would still not be good enough to earn or deserve God's love or grace. 
You see, receiving God's love and grace has nothing to do with what we've done. It has everything to do with what Jesus has already done. Because it's finished. It is done. Your salvation is bought and paid for by Jesus' shed blood on the cross, dying in your place for your sin so that you could be forgiven, not in part, but in whole, so that you could return to your dad, your heavenly father, who is waiting with open arms. I want to invite you today. I want to invite you to be open to an idea that may seem a little bit challenging at first, but I want to invite you to consider the fact that you could be wrong about God. Whatever you think you know about him or don't know about him, I want to invite you to open your mind to the possibility that you've got it wrong. That maybe you had the idea that he is this angry or vengeful God. This God who's just waiting to zap you when you mess up. Or that he's the sort of God who's got a limited capacity for forgiveness. That somehow you've gone too far or done too much that he can't forgive you. I want to tell you today that whatever your ideas are about him, if you think he's like that, I'm here today to tell you you're wrong. God is not like that. And if you think that you can be good enough to earn his love or grace, let me set the record straight and just tell you, God is a loving father. A father who delights in all his children equally. A father whose whose heart just aches when just one of his precious children would be lost and go astray. And he will literally move heaven and earth to return you, his precious son, his beloved daughter, safe into his care, back into his home. But here's the thing. He will not force you. We see here in this story that if Darcy wanted to go, the prodigal wanted to leave, he let him go. He will not force anyone to remain in his care, but he wants you to. And the invitation is open. Come home. Come home running. Because I am here watching and waiting for your return. He will not force you, but he will do whatever he can to let you know you are welcome home. You are welcome home, my child. Not because of what you've done, but simply because I love you come home. At this moment, I want to invite the praise team to come forward. And they're going to, in closing, sing a song entitled, Come Home Running. And it speaks exactly to this story. And I just want to say to you right now that wherever you are, whatever camp you're in, whether you identify more with the older son, whether you identify more with the younger son, wherever you're at, Your Heavenly Father is standing right here today saying, I love you. Will you receive my love? Will you just come home into my embrace and let me love you? The sin, yeah, we've got to deal with it, but you know what? I've already got a way for that. It's all done. You've just got to accept the gift. It is a gift. It is a free gift to you today. All you have to do is receive it. And he's holding it out. He's holding it out and he says, will you take this gift? Come home running. My arms are open wide. My name is Jesus and I understand.
And if you do that, I can promise you that he is ready and waiting to just wrap you up in that bear hug. That bear hug that says more than words, I love you, you're home.